0: Welcome to the Soul Care Matters Podcast, bringing gospel-centered clarity and insight to the whole person. Here, you will find conversations about real issues that we face every day, and thoughts on how to move toward health in Jesus in the middle of those issues. Hosting today's podcast, Jeff Ballard and Ryan Berg, Soul Care Pastors at College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome back to the Soul Care Matters podcast. We're so glad you've tuned in again today. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Berg, alongside Jeff Ballard. And Jeff, we actually haven't done an episode just the two of us in like
1: months. It's been a long time.
0: So I'm excited about this. We've got a good topic today. But first, let me ask you a question that we didn't talk about ahead of time.
1: Oh, no. Surprise. The best
0: kind. What are you looking forward to the most about the upcoming
1: rest of the year oh that's a good question well i mean i've got a vacation coming up in three weeks so that's like front and center on my mind i'm just going to michigan okay so love michigan in the summertime so we're looking forward to that slow
0: pace kind of trip
1: yep That's pretty good.
0: What about you? Yeah, we do have a Disney World trip coming up (laughs) as we do every year. For those that don't know, the Bergs are a Disney fam. So we're excited about that. I'm actually excited. I'm going to a training out in Colorado in November. It's on a ranch in Colorado. I'm doing, I'm going to a training on some, on how to handle anxiety. Some some counseling slash leadership training on anxiety. I'm excited about that. My biggest fear is that they're going to make me ride a horse, and I don't like horses.
1: I know the the movie City Slickers yeah. is just coming to my mind yeah. right now. All four times that I have ridden a horse,
0: I've either been thrown off of said horse, or it just runs away from me and doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Oh, I have I mean, no positive memories with horses. So since it's a, a training on anxiety, I'm hoping somebody there can help me with this <laughs> if we have to do that. But I'm pretty excited. About that. Well, today we wanted to talk about a topic that came up recently, but has actually come up a couple of times recently. I did a training for some small group leaders about a month ago. And one of the questions that was asked is What do we as counselors and we as followers of Jesus mean when we use the term safe? So the context of this is we were talking about how to create cultures or environments of vulnerability and transparency within your small group. Mm. And one thing that we said is you. We want to be safe people that others can come to and share what's going on in their lives. So this question was asked. I answered the question as best I could, and then I started thinking it might be beneficial to take another look at this and kind of flesh out a a better definition or a better picture of what that looks like. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the concept and what we mean when we say safe So I think first, what we need to do is talk about why this topic Mm -hmm. and what are we not saying when this happens? Yeah.
1: yeah. Why this topic? Uh, That's a great question. And my mind goes to this place when I think about the why question. You know, when I read the Bible, when I read the New Testament, one of the things that sticks out to me about what commends Jesus to the world is the quality of relationships Mm -hmm. that Christians have with one another. And if, if our relationships Relationships are chaotic. And full of hostility and con- unresolved conflict. We actually, it, it's more important than just the reality of our relationships aren't fulfilling. We're actually communicating something to the, to the world yeah. about Jesus that we don't want to. So um, I think it's this is so important because the the relational quality of Christians in the church is part of our witness to the world. And then aside from that, there's just the reality of we're going to enjoy relationships. They're going to be fulfilling. They're going to be satisfying. We're going to feel like um, we're living out life as it was meant to be right. um, by God if we're living this way.
0: Right. And God did create us to live in relationship. Yeah. And I, I hear you say the quality of relationships amongst God's people is a reflection of him. And it's kind of taken a hit recently, right? If yes. we're really honest, that has definitely happened. So I want to own that. And then, so we wanted to talk about like what What does it mean to be a safe person? So, Jeff, let me ask you this to start off. I know there are some people when they hear about this and they think about this issue that don't like the idea of safe people, because it feels like you can just apply the word unsafe to anyone in any context yeah. and they no longer have the ability to say anything to you or even call you out as Christians are encouraged to do in mm-hmm. scripture. What, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I've seen that happen where people weaponize this mm-hmm. concept to isolate themselves and, and almost create this thick wall of protection around them so that nobody can speak into their lives. And I, I think the first thing to do is just for us to be clear that that's not what we're right. what we're talking about when we are talking about the concept of safe people. Those are hard situations because yeah, to be quite honest, I'm not always sure what to do in those situations because they use the concept to keep you away. So you're, you're somewhat limited on <laughs> what you can do. Have you found any strategies oh, yeah. that are helpful?
0: I definitely have experienced this, especially in the counseling office. One of the, I I don't know how effective it is. I'm going to go with like 70%. I pulled that. (laughs) That's not bad. I pulled that stat out of nowhere. (laughs) Like I always say, 76% of statistics are made up. So I, I think the most effective thing that I've ever heard is when somebody says, well, I think of them as an unsafe person. I just make them define what that means. Yeah. Like explain that to me. What are, what are the actions that they do that somehow make them unsafe? And then we filter those through scripture and see, and sometimes they're right. And a lot of times they're not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's simply an un willingness to hear something that they don't want to hear. Yeah. And so we gently encourage them to allow some of that discomfort in an effort to grow. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is then you can become an unsafe Absolutely. person to that par- that party. All of a sudden, well, you didn't agree with me, so that makes you an unsafe person. Mm-hmm. And so I'm out. There's not a lot you can do with that. Yeah. I I, I pray for for those situations that the Lord will just open eyes and soften hearts and his will be done. But I don't know what else you could do with situations like that other than present a picture of what a true safe person does actually mm-hmm. look like. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. Or
1: yeah. And, and and keep the doors open and the right. invitation there for that person to, to enter in right. to that community of safe people. Yeah. So
0: that being said, We just mentioned that one of the ways to kind of counter that is by identifying what a safe person actually is. So one thing that we want to do today is kind of systematically work through a list of what a safe person is, what a safe person isn't. We'll kind of go back and forth between those two things. Um, this list is not exhaustive. It certainly doesn't cover everything. I think we could do 10 episodes of this podcast on this topic and not cover everything. So keep in mind, this is a little bit of a flyover. And then some of the ideas presented here are actually from a blog. So I actually talked to a therapist periodically just for my own personal well-being and mental health. And she recommended, this blog to me as sometimes having some really helpful resources. And so that's where some of this comes from today. But we wanted to start by talking about what a safe person does look like.
1: Yeah. So the the first quality here is that a safe person listens well and asks questions more so than just Talking at people, or more so than making everything about themselves. Right. So you probably, you listeners have probably experienced this, where you're in a relationship with somebody, and you just feel like that your role in the relationship is simply to um, be focused on the other person. Yeah. It's everything is about them. So that, that's the opposite. A safe person listens, asks questions, um, takes an interest in the others. And in an ideal relationship, there's mutuality in that.
0: Right. One thing you want to avoid if you're trying to be a safe person or if you're looking for a safe person you want to make sure this is not happening is behavior that we call funneling. Funneling is literally somebody will say something oh I'm struggling in my marriage this happened and then that person will say oh I know exactly what you mean because here's what happened in my marriage. There are times and places where that can be really beneficial but it shouldn't be the first response. You're not, you're funneling the attention in the conversation back to yourself instead of on the person who came to talk in the first place. So you want to avoid that. And you want them to be safe people who listen and ask good questions. The second one I want to talk about is you want somebody who is compassionate. You want somebody who is loving, who is caring. And this is a little bit of a loaded word because compassion can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. Essentially, what I would just encourage people to think through is you want somebody who is for you. You want somebody who supports you and is for you. That doesn't necessarily mean that they agree with everything that's going to come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Often the most compassionate people won't, but they will speak to you in a way that is loving and that is caring and that takes time to invest in the relationship in order to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. Yeah.
1: And so real quickly, the opposite of that would be somebody who's judgmental. They're dismissive of your feelings your thoughts, your ideas, that, you know, those kinds of responses just tend to shut you down right. and um, and create an un- unsafe environment. So I'm going to funnel for a second.
0: Dismissiveness is my number one pet peeve is in it? all of life. <laughs> so if someone is sharing something and it doesn't even have to be me being dismissed, although that yeah. definitely yeah. takes me off. If somebody is sharing something that they've experienced and it is dismissed by somebody else in the conversation, yeah. that just feels like such an unloving kind of slap in the face. Yeah. Like just because it doesn't fit in your worldview or in your experience does not mean that there is not value to what that other person is sharing. Yeah. Be curious. Amen, brother. Not judgmental. Amen. So next you, we already kind of mentioned this one, but you want to earn trust. So there's a bunch of ways that this can happen, but primarily this happens over time, right? Like time spent with the person. This is where counseling is somewhat an outlier of what it looks like to earn trust. Cause when you go to counseling, you're going saying, Hey, I would like for you to help me with this specific Issue And in really any other relationship or context in life, you wouldn't do that. You would go to somebody that you have an established relationship with and say, based on what you know about me and my life, Hmm. could you help me walk through this particular issue? Yeah. So earning trust is time spent and time spent doing the things that we've already mentioned, listening yeah. well, asking good questions, being compassionate, not being judgmental. Yeah.
1: I see this played out all the time in the counseling room when I have, uh, it's usually a married couple that's, um, had a, a conflict or some kind of issue in their marriage where one has to, you know, confess sin and ask for forgiveness. And I know the other spouse is a safe person if they don't demand trust right away. Uh, well, sorry. I know that the spouse asking for forgiveness is a, safe person. If they don't demand trust right away from the other spouse, that they understand that it does take time to rebuild trust and they have a willingness to wait patiently and continue investing in that relationship and rebuilding that trust. Patience is the key. Yeah. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Yeah.
0: So it's progressive. So being patient and willing to do that it is necessary to be a truly safe person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is um, somebody who's responsive to feelings. Um, in other words, uh, similar to compassion, but a little bit different. The, the kind of person who is willing to, to hear, hear out another person's feelings is willing to try to enter in and understand mm-hmm. those emotions who, again, is curious mm-hmm. as to why the other person feels that way, seeking to put themselves in that person's shoes. So responsive to another person's feelings or emotions. And and you want to avoid somebody who has a
0: total lack of empathy. Yeah. So I want to be clear about empathy. Empathy is a often misunderstood term in my experience. So sympathy and empathy are not the same thing. Empathy is the ability to enter into another person's world to some degree. You don't necessarily take on what they're doing, although that does sometimes happen. Weep with those who weep, right? But empathy is the ability to enter in and understand a little bit. I I recently was um, listening to a podcast that was actually like, you, you didn't know who was in the counseling session, but you were listening to a counseling session mm. happen, right? And the person who was listening heard this person share their story of, pain and and difficult relationships and the person listening immediately responded with well why is that such a big deal to you (laughs) and i just thought like it was like a knife to my heart i was like there's no empathy there like even if that wouldn't be a big deal to the person listening that is a big deal to the person speaking yeah and there was no empathizing with that person's yeah. situation.
1: It's not a bad impulse if you ask that question maybe a different way because right. it, it might be that I don't understand right. why that's so important to that person, but maybe a better way to say that would be help me understand, yeah. help me to to put myself in your shoes. What is it about that that's hard for you? Yeah, yeah
0: that's an empathetic response even if you don't necessarily agree with what yeah. the person is sharing. Yeah. I always try to say that sounds like that's really difficult for yeah. you. That sounds like it's a really hard thing and i uh, want to honor that mm-hmm. but at the same time let's explore what why yeah like what what makes that so different? yeah so uh, the next one to consider and this is a loaded word too at times is you want a safe person who will respect boundaries so i'm not going to spend a great deal of time on this because boundaries means different things to different people mm-hmm. but for the sake of this when somebody comes to you and is sharing something that they're going through be it positive or negative, they have an amount in which they're ready to share in that particular conversation. And I don't think that it's helpful. And I I think it actually turns people off from sharing more in the future for you to try to push them past what their boundary is. So let them kind of set the tone. Sometimes when I have people come into my office, I literally were like, you set the agenda today. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you want to talk about today. What what What's going on? Uh, I have one counselee that I meet with that will open almost every conversation by saying, well, here's what God allowed in my life this week. Mm. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go there. Yeah. And I, I let them kind of set the agenda. And I'll ask challenging questions and stuff, but it's not hard to see what this person is ready to share and what they're not. And so respecting their boundaries is is a really important
1: yeah. aspect. I think a good way to think about that is what does somebody do when they're told no yeah. in either expectation, explicitly or in some implicit way, do they respect that? Yeah. Or do they push through the no, you know, and demand that you do right. what you don't want to do or share what you don't want to share. And that, that kind of person is, is not a safe person. If you've met 29
0: times and you're still on page one, a, a, a conversation probably needs to be had about what's our goal here. Mm-hmm. But I still think in that moment that you're not trying to shove someone through a door they're not ready
1: to go through. Yet. Yeah.
0: So there is a time and place to say, why are we meeting if we're not willing? Uh, that does exist. Yeah. But you still yep. respect those boundaries.
1: Another quality of a safe person is somebody who's willing to grow. So, you know, if you have a person who thinks they've arrived, mm. who thinks they've got it all together, is blind to their weaknesses, Um, that is a recipe for somebody who's not safe to share and to open up with. But if you have a person who is willing to grow, sees their need to grow, that person is usually going to receive your weakness well because they're well acquainted with their own weakness and need. This is where I like to
0: consider counseling a partnership. What I don't like is somebody coming in and there being almost a gap between you as the counselor and the people that you're caring Mm -hmm. for. I want to partner with these people or this person to help them move towards their goals, Yeah. move towards health and wholeness in the gospel. Like that's what I want to do. And so a lot of times that is them being able to give me feedback on the way we're talking on the effectiveness of the counsel I'm giving. Mm-hmm. I I often ask people, I should say often, but I will periodically ask counselees. So how do you think this is going? That's not really for me, but I'm open to them saying, yeah, this isn't actually that effective Mm -hmm. because I want to know, well, maybe we should change gears and go in a different direction because I'm not infallible. I sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes I say I'm a big boy. I can take it. Yeah. Which is true. Most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time.
1: Most true. true. And I think what you're getting at there is just the importance of counselors or people helpers and whatever kind of role, how important it is that those people in particular are safe people. Right. And the challenge of that is when you're in any kind of spiritual leadership, right. whether it's a counseling role, small group leader, pastor, whatever, There, there is a temptation to begin to think I've got it all together. I don't need to grow because you have this position right. of authority. And man, it's so important to recognize no matter what role you're in, even if you're the one at the very top, we are all broken, fallen, sinners in need of grace and the only reason we're at where we're at is because of the grace of God right.
0: absolutely the next one to consider is vulnerable and open that the person that you are meeting with is also vulnerable and open on what's going on in their life. And we've talked about vulnerability a lot on this podcast. It's even a segment that we do called the glass house. But you need someone who is willing to share some of their stuff. You need someone who is willing to engage with you and again, not funnel things back to them, but also acknowledge, you know, I I struggle with this and maybe even here's what God's done in my life. Do you want to examine that together? Mm-hmm. That's again, that's a partnership that you see there and and you don't want someone who simply hides weaknesses. This is why a lot of times, I think I stole this from you, Jeff, but when people will ask me to speak in certain venues and they'll say, can we do Q&A? And I'm like, no, we can do q and I can respond to things, but I don't necessarily have an answer for those things yes. because that happens all the time. All the time in counseling, somebody will ask me, well, what should I do about this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's pray about that. And yeah. maybe I can do some research and come back, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to tell you is, but let's see if we can explore some and find out together.
1: Yeah, that's a great specific example of one way we can be open and vulnerable is can we say I don't know or do we feel like we always have to have an answer. And we're pretending like we know it all. And if we're really honest as people helpers, that's a hard balance to strike Yeah, because you do want to be
0: able to have the skills, equipping and knowledge to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally empathize with that, but I don't think it diminishes your ability to care well for someone for you to say, I don't know right now, Mm -hmm. but let's move towards that together.
1: Yeah. And if you're willing to grow, that's right. Being able to say, I don't know, but then going and figuring it out is a way to do that.
0: It's especially humbling, but also exciting when you're working with someone, when you're partnering with them on their issue and they come back and they found better stuff than you did. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. Another characteristic of a safe person is that they're stable and steady. So what that means is I can go to this person and I know I can share some struggle that I'm having. I can, I can be open with something that maybe is really weighty and they're steady enough Mm -hmm. to be able to absorb and handle that. Yeah. If. I'm worried that if I share this hard thing with them, it's going to cause them to spiral emotionally or plummet them into anxiety or depression. Um, then that's I'm not going to feel safe to share that thing. So that's, I think it's an important part of safety is that we're we're able to absorb, we're able to handle hard things that people share with us.
0: Absolutely, and I think the steadiness comes in with consistency of meeting. Yeah, Like being available, being accessible. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories about people who have opened up to someone as a, you know, someone in their small group or a friend or something like that. And they have one conversation that they thought was really going in a good direction. And then they were never, never able to talk to that person again, just because of schedule and yeah. stuff. Being a people helper involves sacrifice. And sometimes it's time. Yeah, And so I, I encourage people, like you set the tone for these meetings and for what help is going to look like by your stability and your steadiness. Yep. Another thing to consider is a, a safe person has the ability to apologize, show compassion and change behavior. There are times that we mess up. There are times when our care for others might be unhelpful, possibly even a little heavy handed and and hurtful and owning that, like we said, talked about earlier, being able to grow, but mm-hmm. also apologizing, acknowledging I've done something that was hurtful to you and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah. I think that's a big piece of it be specific about what happened don't give a generality and above all things don't say i'm sorry you felt that way that's not an apology that's a sugar-coated accusation yeah but I i think it's really important to be able to apologize ask for forgiveness And then not do it again. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I think what works with one person that you're helping is not going to work with another one. Yeah. And I think that's just the nature of what we do. I think that's the nature of caring well and helping others and being willing to say, okay, so that didn't work and that was hurtful. We've moved on from that. I've apologized, asked forgiveness. It's been granted. Let's move on and not do that again. I, I, that's hugely important. Yeah.
1: And we t- kind of take it for granted that that's possible. But one of the amazing things about the gospel is the gospel actually makes that possible. And that ought to blow us away. Right. That we actually have the opportunity to apologize and to repair relationships when we've blown it. Yeah. I've seen up close, so many relationships where one or both parties will just refuse to apologize for anything, will never own a wrong that they've done. And a relationship cannot survive that. Over time, it's it's either going to you know, totally break apart or there will just be this growing distance because the person, you know, the person on the other side of that won't feel uh, like they're safe in that relationship. Right. If in a relationship, the other person never apologizes. What does that mean? It must mean that I'm always in the wrong. Mm-hmm. If there's a, you know, a tension in the relationship. Well, and it's a power dynamic, yeah. right? Like it's a
0: totally imbalanced power dynamic. And let me just say this for clarification. If you choose to apologize to someone for something that you've done, it does not I repeat, does not necessarily mean that you condone all of the other person's behaviors and words and thoughts. I think that that's sometimes why people refuse to apologize. They're like, well, if I do that, then that means everything this person did is okay. That's not true. And you're not the judge of that anyway, right? Neither are they. The Lord is the judge of those Mm -hmm. things. So apologize, ask forgiveness, be
1: willing to change behaviors. Yeah. Yeah, The next um, quality of a safe person is that they're open and communicative, that is, they they stay in there, they keep the lines of communication open, even in the face of difficulty. I mean, let's be honest, communication can be really difficult. What we're trying to do is ideas in my brain, through words, I'm trying to communicate to this other person, and so often there's miscommunication, misunderstanding, and so the the ability and willingness to stay in there, to remain open, and keep the lines of communication open yeah. are huge, on the contrary, somebody who withdraws and cuts off communication isn't somebody you can build a good, enduring, deep relationship with. Yeah, a communication is essentially,
0: I, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but like it's the grease for the wheels of a relationship, yeah. right? You need that to keep things moving. And when it's pulled out, everything seizes up and it no longer functions. Yeah. How many times have you seen? I see it all the time. In, yeah. in in my office.
1: So I think a fork in the road for for a lot of relationships is what happens when there's disagreement. Do you stop talking at that point or do you keep at it? Mm. keep working on communicating and even if that disagreement remains, at least you understand the other person right. And you can articulate the other person's perspective just as well as they could right. in a way that they could recognize and go yeah, that's what I think too.
0: And last but not least, arguably the most important, piece of the puzzle for a safe person is that you're meeting with someone and you're you're choosing to trust someone who's honest yeah honest with you honest with themselves honest with the lord and not somebody who lies deceives and 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 gaslights people Mm -hmm. so i love the term gaslighting i don't know where it originated but it's such an effective term and i this comes up all the time now gaslighting what we mean in this context is causing someone to question their own interpretation of reality so this happened With my children recently, I was in charge of the kids and I fed them dinner and I gave them a snack. And then right before bed, I was like, and every parent out there can say amen to this, right? I was like, yes, it's almost bedtime. Like I'm going to have, (laughs) I'm going to have a moment to myself to like think. And I was putting them in bed and then my son asks for a snack and he says, I'm hungry. And I'm like, no, you're not. And I was like, you ate, you're full. It's fine. <laughs> but that was for me. That was not for him. Yeah. And in that moment, thankfully, the Lord just kind of grabbed my heart. And he was like, let the child eat. If he's hungry, let him eat. But in that moment, I immediately wanted him to question his own reality for a second yeah. because I didn't want to deal with the consequences of his reality being real. Yeah. That's unsafe.
1: So I I know where the term gaslight comes oh, yes. from. It actually comes from a movie, a really old movie from like the 1940s. Okay. I think it's called Gaslight. Oh. And the it's a it's like... Uh, the whole plot is a husband is doing manipulative things to convince his wife that she's going crazy. Oh, wow. So one of the examples of that is that there's a gaslight in the room and he's, you know, like slowly turning it down. And she's like, is it getting darker in here? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? So mm. That's where the term gaslight actually comes sense. from. Yeah. Like something new. Just a fountain of knowledge. I know. I've never watched the movie, but maybe, maybe <laughs> we should take some time to watch it.
0: Well, all of that to say honesty is key in any relationship, but especially a relationship with someone that you're trying to process life with. Yeah. The person needs to be able to be honest about where they're at, where they can perceive you at and what the Lord is trying to do. Yeah. So those are 12. That was really fast. So I'll try to repeat them real quick. Those are 12 characteristics of a safe person, Uh, someone who listens and asks good questions and is not self focused, someone who's compassionate, not judgmental and dismissive, someone who takes the time to earn trust and doesn't demand it, someone who has a responsiveness to feelings and not a lack of empathy, someone who respects your boundaries and doesn't push or force them, someone who's open to feedback and concern and doesn't just get defensive and and keep you at arm's length, which leads right to someone who's willing to grow, not someone who's stagnant and a avoids growth. You need to meet with someone who is vulnerable and open and doesn't try to hide their weakness. Someone who exhibits the characteristics of stability and steadiness, not somebody who's unstable or inconsistent. Someone who has the ability to apologize, show compassion and change behavior. Someone who doesn't apologize, has no compassion and refuses to change behavior, is not a safe person. Mm -hmm. You want someone who's open and communicative and not someone who withdraws their communication, especially when things get tough. And then last but not least, someone who's honest not somebody who lies
1: or gaslights. Yeah. So as I listened to you go through all of those quickly, the thought that just came to my mind is, yeah, can you imagine if the church mm-hmm. was full of people like that, the kind of relationships that we would have, the, the quality and depth of relationships that we would have one another and what that would demonstrate to the world. If we were like that, even on Twitter and Instagram, (laughs) uh, exhibiting those kinds of characteristics.
0: I actually thought about for this podcast, should we talk about how this applies to Social media, because this is yeah. where you see all those negative characteristics, right? It kind of doesn't, because you don't have the relationship built with any of these people that you're dealing yeah. with this in social media. So just stay out of that. <laughs> like,
1: amen. Just stay out of
0: that altogether. Yeah. But yeah, I think if, th- if the church's relationships were characterized by this, things would be very different.
1: Yeah. Things and would look very different. They would. And and here's the reality is that the gospel makes, makes it possible and ought to actually empower us to be the kind of people who exhibit all these things. Right. You know, um, you know, what? somebody who's not a Christian could still be this way. But what I mean is that Christians ought to be this way. Like the gospel changes us so that we become these kinds of people.
0: Yeah, nothing that we've mentioned today is in contradiction with scripture. Lines up really, really well with scripture, actually. It might actually be a good exercise for people to go back and listen to this podcast and pause here or there and say, okay, the guys shared this. Where in scripture do I find that particular behavior? That would be a really good exercise for some people to do. But being a follower of Jesus means functioning like this. And we do it imperfectly this side of heaven, but that's the goal. That's what it looks like to really be a safe person. Yeah. Well, since we've spent all of this time today talking about safe people, I am going to forego the glass house today, Jeff. And we will call it a wrap on this episode of the Soul Care Matters podcast. Please share this episode with others and we'll keep the podcast growing. I would love to hear from some of you, maybe on social media or something like that, that you have shared this with three or four other people. Mm -hmm. And as the podcast continues to grow, we can celebrate that together. So we'll see you next time on the Soul Care Matters Podcast. You've been listening to the Soul Care Matters Podcast, a ministry of College Park Church. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or show topic ideas at soulcarematterspod at gmail.com.